1: Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to the Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Linfoot, and I am joined today by a shit hot property investor. He's got more than seven figures in his businesses and he's the MD of Aspire Property Group. It's the wonderful Jamie York. Welcome, Jamie.
0: Thanks so much. Really good to be on and uh, excited to hopefully add value to you and your audience.
1: Well, I have no doubt that that will be the absolute case, Jamie. So, no, we're going to have a nice chat. But, um, yeah, you know, you're all things property, but there is more to Jamie York than just property, I'm sure. So let's um, get to know Jamie, the real Jamie, in a little bit more detail. So do you want to talk through your journey and then we're just going to dig in from there, if that's all right?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, how how young do you want me to go? Like. Uh... <laughs> Up to you. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I mean, um, probably started on the entrepreneurial journey from an early age. <laughs> my, my, my background sort of was a bit blue collar, if you like, growing up. Um, you know, I had a great family around me, really supportive. My mom, like, just, I could say anything to my mom. I could go, I'm going to go on the moon, and she'll believe it. She'll just fully be like, yeah, it's happening. If you've said it, she's so supportive, which is great. Um, but we never grew up with, with money. And um, which was absolutely fine. You know, like, I've, I think I'm really happy that that happened because I realized that happiness doesn't come from money. It's almost like I've already had the cake and then the money's just icing on top, you know, and that's kind of how I see it. Rather than a lot of people that I see making money seem to think that that is their whole worth as an individual is based on how much money they've got. And I, I actually think that's quite sad um, to be honest. So but then, when when I grew up, I went to a really good school. Um, it was a Dartford grammar, um, southeast, down south. There, they're not. I'm up in Leeds now, and a lot of grammar schools you pay for. You don't pay for grammars down there, and um, there was a lot of people with money, and so I saw what it was like on the other side. And I guess in my mentality, that created the gap, because I guess like subconsciously there was always this sort of assumption: well, this is how people must live, like with this level of finance. So then, as I sort of grew up and Started working with my dad. My dad was pretty good with money. Um, he had a small central heating firm, and uh, he was good at making money, but then good at pissing it up the wall on the weekend. You know, down the pub, buying everyone drinks, that sort of thing. And um, and unfortunately, he he passed away at um, a young age. So I was thirteen when he passed, which is you know shit for anyone losing a parent, but that age was hard. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it was at that stage, sort of. I, g- I guess you sort of go a couple of ways and. The way that I ended up sort of going was like, right, I need to look after the family now. I need to do this. And so I just started working. I started hustling as many jobs as I could, got into uni. And then um, that's where I started making some decent money. So I started trading them. And um, I just got pretty good at it. So I was good at recognizing patterns. And because I didn't have a lot of money to invest, I didn't make much money. But as a percentage, I was making good returns every single month. And people around me started going, hey, look, I'll give you 5 grand. I'll give you 10 grand. I'll give you this. And soon enough, I had a decent portfolio, and I was trading with it. um, And I was making some decent money. But I absolutely hated it. Like, felt really lonely. You know, it was late night, stocks, derivatives, um, some coffee on the Hang Seng, all of that sort of thing. And uh, just decided to sell the operation that I'd sort of created. So I got a decent amount of money. It was close to a quarter of a million. Um, But I was a teenager, you know, I was sort of turning 19. And so what happens when you give a teenager that amount of money? It doesn't (laughs) go well, right? So, well, I had the best slash worst year of my life. I'm still not quite sure. And um, just pissed most of it down the drain. And so towards the end of it, it was actually a lecturer that sort of said, look, you need to sort your shit out because either you're going to be somebody that is inspiring, somebody that's going to push people. And I thought, wow, this is really incredible. He said, or... You're going to end up in prison. And I was like, okay, big, big discrepancy. And he just said, and the way you're going is prison, you know, the route you're going down. And at that stage, he, he was a professor at my university, but he also invested in property in um, Burnley in the Northwest. And I thought, yeah, and I was one of these bit, bit overzealous sort of being brought up with my hands, you know, I was always laboring and stuff like that for people in my family. And I'd watch one too many episodes of Homes Under the Hammer. And, uh, <laughs> I, and I used to watch it. was Martin and Lucy at the time. And um, I used to watch these people just ignore Martin and Lucy. And Martin and Lucy were like the gods, right? Like if they said to do so, they must know what they're talking about. So they'd always ignore Martin and Lucy's advice and yet always make money, right? And I'd just be like, like if these idiots can do this, I can do it too. <laughs> so I had a little bit of money left over. My mate's dad bought me a van, which was really nice. And um, I now started looking into property. Turns out Burnley was the area that I picked, probably because my professor did it. And I bought a three-bed there, three-bed, mid-terrace property, number 36, Burdett Street. And it was uh, £21,800. It's probably still worth about (laughs) £21,800. But it was good. And so I was in my last year of uni, and I was driving up and down um so i'd work cash in hand monday to friday i'd get in the van drive up friday night i'd sleep in the back of the van and it was about 9 months and um towards the end when i was due to put in carpets and stuff my next door neighbour was like um oh i'll sort out the kitchen and i'll do the plastering for you and i thought oh brilliant that makes it so easy and a month went past two months went past and i'd just given him the key right and i just hadn't heard anything sky called steve <coughs> excuse me and um Something didn't quite feel right. So I drove up. This was like towards the end of exams and I went in the property and, you know, when I mean? you can just sense something's wrong. And it was like mm-hmm. one of those moments where it was a bit stuffy. It just smelled a bit. And I was like, so it's not right. And I looked in the radiators had gone from the wall. The electrics had been ripped out. All of the tools had tools in the toolbox had been nicked. Um, they left my sleeping bag, which was lovely. Um, <laughs> And then I went in the kitchen. The kitchen wasn't there. And the kitchen flooring was dug up. And I was like, who digs up flooring? And it turns out there's lead in the floor, yeah. there, which is worth yeah, a bit of money. Yeah. So I remember thinking, fair play, they can have it. You know, if you've gone through that effort. <laughs> the the out of the thing. I thought, bloody hell, what's going on? So literally next door, I'm banging on the, um, the door. And I see the curtains moving. And uh, I'm like, I can, I can see you there. You know, if you're going to try and hide, don't move your bloody curtains, right? <laughs> and I'm looking through, I'm banging on the window, and I look through. These are, like, back-to-backs. And then in, you can see through to the kitchen, and I could see my kitchen installed <laughs> in his kitchen. I mean, like, you couldn't make it up. And uh, to be fair, he'd done a bloody good job. <laughs> like, so fair play to him. But I was like, right, that's it. And at that point, I almost gave up. Um, mm. I almost gave up, and I can't remember what book it was. Maybe at stems out. I could see a load of books in the background. I see you're an avid reader. So, um, and it was something like nobody remembers the people that give up. And it was reading that line. It's like, yeah, actually, if I want to be successful, you know, what was I 20 now at this point, it was mm-hmm. kind of like, if I want to be successful when I'm 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, I can't expect not to come across shit times. And it's more logical that there is going to start the, the start of your journey. So yeah, then I sort of thought, right? Homes under the hammer maybe isn't the best education. I did everything wrong with that property. They say buy the worst house in the best street, and I bought the worst house in the worst street in the worst area. <laughs> uh, found the worst bloody knobhead to do any the works on it, right? So I got properly educated um, and really, really, really invested in my time, my education, made a bit of money, made some more mistakes, reinvested. Now I've sunk well over a hundred grand into my education, um, but I seriously see it as an investment. And yeah, now, now we're doing, you know, we were just talking numbers before, Q1, we're just, uh, this is filmed 2021, last day of Q1, March the 31st, we're filming right now. And we are, um, we're hopefully going to hit target. We're one deal away today from hitting 600,000 um, profit, gross profit for Q1. So, you know, times, times move quickly. And when you think really that's in the span of, seven, eight years. Yeah, it it moves quickly. So I don't know if that's the full story that you wanted, but I feel like I've just gone, got carried (laughs) away. But yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, no, listen, it's great. There's loads in here, actually. And it's really nice to sort of hear the early years as well, Jamie, you know, it's kind of where life started for you as well as where you are today. Because I think very often people will just see what you're doing today and they go, Oh my God, it's all right for Jamie. You know, he's just got an amazing business and you're successful. And of course that's true, but what they don't see is everything that's gone before or behind the scenes, you know, and uh, I think that's really nice that you share that. And I just want to come back to um, kind of the early years and, and, you know, you lost your dad at a very young age and as a young man, you know, teenager, 13, you know, that, that must've been incredibly hard. And, uh, and it was, it, it was interesting what you were saying about, how your dad, you know, essentially spent what he earned to a certain degree. And, and, you know, that almost, I guess, repelling money in a way by spending it. And, and that behavior, I guess you have almost started, well, you started to repeat that behavior when you were 19, right? And you were successful, but you were spending a lot of money. Yeah. So do, did you at the time think that you were acting a bit like your dad from those early memories, or was it just not even something that was on the radar? You were just like a kid in a candy store with money at that age and enjoying it.
0: Hmm. That's the first time I've ever been asked that. I mean, I've done a lot of these interviews. I've never been asked that. No, no, you know, there there might have been some subconscious stuff going on. You know, it's amazing what the brain can do without you Mm -hmm. focusing on it. So there probably was some subconscious entity. I mean, I I definitely remember because my my dad split up with my mom when I was three months old. And so, you know, the the stereotypical, like, if you're staying with your mom, which most, like, in my generation, if that happened, you lived with your mom. My poor mum, the problem with you when you're living there is you, your your mum's an arsehole because they're the one who has to be the proper parent, if you like. And yeah. then the dad sees me every other weekend and he, he could he's my hero, right? No matter what, because he only has me for every other weekend and stuff like that. So in hindsight, a bit hard for a blesser. Um, but I idolise my dad and I had I had this probably insecurity, I would say, now is the need to be liked by him. Yeah. And I would say I saw that in him. I didn't think it at the time. At the time I thought everyone loves my dad. Now I look back and I go, my dad bought friends. You know, he it was almost like he had a need to be liked. You know, like he walked into the pub and everyone knew him and he bought like my round, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And that probably seeped him. And I probably still have a little bit of that today, if I'm if I'm completely honest with myself. Not so much the spending side. I'm I'm very good with money. But like I definitely recognize it myself, this insecurity that I want to be liked by people, I need to be liked by people, whereas actually, who gives a shit? It's just Mm -hmm. like, it's not going to change who I am, right? I'm just going to be me. And naturally, I will repel people because of who I am. And naturally, I will attract people by who I am. So no, I don't think it was at the forefront of my mind from memory. But there's there's definitely deep-rooted psychology within all of our actions, right? So that that would definitely have sinked in and played a part, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And it's sometimes, like you say, it's on reflection as we get a little bit older and a little bit more sort of been round the block a few times that we become a lot more self-aware of some of these things. And it doesn't mean to say that, you know, you totally nail it, and, and change change who you are because you know that that's what makes you uniquely you, isn't it? Which is great. But um, yeah, it's very often on reflection, I think, that or, or maybe someone asking you a question randomly like that 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 maybe brings it brings it out in that way. But what I'm also right. really interested in is is the kind of the wheeler dealer side of you, Jamie, because clearly that entrepreneurial spirit. Was there from? Gosh, well, from very, very young, you know, right away through, you know, from when you were kind of pre-university and then at university and then, you know, getting into property. So, where does that entrepreneurial side come from? Do you think, or is that something that you've just kind of naturally like learned, or where does it come from?
0: So, I, I think this comes back to the whole nature versus nurture argument, right? And this mm. is an old argument, so. Is it the environment you were brought up in or is it who you are? Um, And there's a part of me that actually, I think it's who I am. I've always been a bit of a hustler. Um, And if you've got American listeners, not what Americans think (laughs) is. I don't don't mean ripping (laughs) ripping people off. Um, In the UK, hustle, you know, working hard, graft. I've always liked working hard and I'm, I'm, I'm passionate around working hard. Like, I I couldn't think of anything more boring than not having a passion to drive towards. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely a little bit innate. Um, I I think I was in a very fortunate situation for breeding entrepreneurship. I'm not saying it was a good situation, but financially I was poor. And then my dad was good at earning money and and even better at spending it. So there was learnt behavior there. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's an environment piece. Then the other environment piece is going to of Grammar School. And that, 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 that's bigger than people realize. So, so often with growth, um, same with personal development. Is personal development good or bad? Well, depends if you want to be content or not. Because actually, I'd argue people with no drive are often happier. Um, okay, because they don't have this thing that I call the gap. problem with personal development is you realize what your full potential is. And um, a couple of years back, I was interviewing, have you heard of David Goggins
1: before? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: I spent a few hours with him and I was interviewing him. And he was saying, like, he has this whole thing of being, like, he has this visualization of when he dies, right? And he goes up there, sees the big man. And before getting let through the gates, if you like, to heaven and all of that, God says, and he, he's got this list. And he lists it off, you know, you've done this, you've done this, you've, you've you, for him, it's like you ran four thousand marathons, you did <laughs> eight million press ups in a day, you know, whatever it is. And David Godins goes, "Well, no, that's not me." And he said, "No, this is what you could have been." And it was like this real powerful thing. And that's the thing with personal development is actually what it does is it exposes what's available to you. So before going to the Dartford Grammar um, as a teenager, I was just like, "Well, this is just my life," and so I just wanted to be the biggest biggest fish in this really small pond. And this was almost that first exposure to there's a big bad fucking ocean out there. And it's just like, whoa, I'm a minnow. Okay. But just like a goldfish, you know, they, they say a goldfish in the tank, is the size of it because of the tank. But you put a goldfish if it could survive in water, it could be three or four meters. So it's yeah. never going to be the biggest thing, but it grows and grows. So naturally by being exposed to wealth, like every kid I spoke to went skiing each year. And I was like,
1: what? <laughs> like,
0: skiing? Like, i never went skiing as a kid, but, like, that, that was my perception of a rich kid, if you went skiing. yeah. yeah. And so because there was that environment, it was like, cool, I want things. So little things like when the PlayStation 3 came out, um, I remember people were like, yeah, my mum's pre-ordered it for me. And I remember it was in September when it was getting released or something like that, and my birthday's in November. And my, we always had a budget of £50 pounds for a birthday present off my mum, mm. which was like, yes. So I told my mom to get me a PlayStation 3 game. And she was like, yeah, I can't afford a PlayStation 3. I was like, no, 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 you get me the game, I'll figure out the rest. So it was like that environment of I didn't want to be the kid that didn't have the PS3. So I started mm. buying donuts, um, five for a pound at Tesco, selling them for 50p in school, steak bakes from Greg's, get five, one Greg's around the corner closed down. Iceland, you would get steak bakes, which were clearly rabbit and horse or whatever, and then <laughs> buy for a pound, cook them, bring them in, sell them cold for a pound, sell them £1.50 warmed up, and pay the canteen lady 25 pence to heat each one up, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So I think it's this that was the environment, mm. but it's my nature to have been placed in those situations and do something about them. And often what you need to realize is, and for those listening, is, we're we're all provided with opportunity every single day there is an opportunity to be have integrity be a better person take action add value to somebody's life make money in return but you have to be the right person to take take advantage of that because for every underdog story that became a millionaire there's thousands of people that did fuck all with it yeah, and yet, yeah that's the thing that's going to divide it so yeah, I I think I did. I did have a great environment to wow. nurture me into um, an an aggressive entrepreneur, I would say. And and it's perfectly placed me for dealing with failure as well, because if you look at my worst case scenario, like really, I could take some mega risks right now. And if I lost everything, I lost my house, lost the wealth, lost the, lost the businesses, which I won't because I've got protective measures. But if that ever did happen, lost everything. And I have to go back home and live with my mom for six months whilst I short, short my shit out. I miss my mom. That'd be great. Like, like, And when you really look at that, and that's my worst case scenario. I am white. I am a man and I'm born in England. And so I have so many privileges yeah. that most people just don't get and understand. And that's amazing. And so but because I was brought up without much, I've got nothing to lose. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, I'm not going to be on the street. And even if I was, I live in England. I'll be looked after. It's just like, you know, it's pretty cool thinking that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always that balance. And it's, it's something I could talk about for hours, not, not just about that, but n- nature versus nurture. But yeah. I, tr- I truly believe I, I have been given every advantageous move that i could and and you know i don't say those things lightly because i know it's i know it's always a scary thing when people are, I'm white i'm a bloke but it, but it's true because i'm a bloke i'm treated slightly differently um mm-hmm. because i am white i am definitely treated differently and i'm probably nowhere near as aware as i would be if i were a woman or or black or or a, a min- ethnic minority but because of that i've got every Privilege you could ask for outside of your upbringing and natural ability. So what a waste it would be to to not take full advantage and, and build myself forward. And it, I think would be spitting in the face of people um with less privilege than I.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's loads of. I mean, it's great perspective actually, Jamie, because what is it? There's quite a few things in there, but one is, I suppose, have your radar and antennae up for opportunities at all times because as you say everyone has opportunities everyone can make decisions even to not make a decision is a decision right so um you know to have that have that sort of growth mindset and and as you say you know you had you had the benchmark i suppose of one experience of not having money but being in an environment where you saw what the what the potential could be and actually that kind of driving you in a really good way to, to where you've ended up being but you made a point earlier as well about actually you know if you're always striving for the next thing for the next thing you know there's a there's a value in actually appreciating the here and now and i think probably what some maybe people that are less driven Maybe sometimes they appreciate the here and now a little bit more. It's almost the curse of the entrepreneur. I do it myself you know i'll I'll have a really big win, and I'll be like, "Oh, that's great. what next you know I, it's it's a real a real important thing, I think, to appreciate what you have at the same time as wanting more. That's great, but don't miss the ride along the way and and the you know the enjoyment of the things you have now as well and I think that comes with a bit of age and experience as well. I mean, would you say, jamie that you do do that. You appreciate when you get the wins. Do you celebrate them? Do you kind of pause a breath and go, God, that's, that's great, that? Or are you always pushing for the next thing and not really enjoying the moment?
0: I, I, de- I definitely think I could enjoy it more. Um, yes and no. And I, I'll expand around. I think, I think people need to shift their perspective a little bit on what a win means. So, for example, you know, me buying a house... At the start was a win now it's like today we've got a whatsapp group and like two have completed today yeah that we bought. i was viewing one I was doing a video for my youtube yesterday one that we bought last week and completed on it's sort of like like that it literally there's no impact for me doing that it doesn't get me excited mm. at all but the drive of saving a deal that was about to fall out of bed. That gets me excited, and that, that's okay for what moves you to be bigger. Um, you know, because it's same as stuff like I, I do some bits out in Africa, and it's like so. From fifteen, I started started like paying for kids to go through school. That doesn't feel good anymore because my goals are bigger. So now it's about building schools and doing things like that. That is what excites me. But, but also, we're we talking about being present there, yeah, right? So we're talking yeah. about being in the moment. It's okay to change what happiness means to you. The thing is, right, so people always go, you know, don't, well, that's not just about work. Well, that's not just about money. And I agree, it's not. But it's like, if their epitome, the average person's epitome of, like, happiness is the holiday, Mm. And, they go. and the reason for that is because that's the life. Because they can't have it all the time. That's the only reason it's up there. And the reason yeah. I learned it, in fact, is go traveling for six months, and I guarantee you're bored of traveling, most mm. people, because it's, it's readily available to you. Okay, so actually, what is happiness, I think, or the meaning of life and whatever, the closest I can get to an answer is purpose. Mm. So actually, what drives me isn't chilling out. It's not having a Ferrari. It's not going, going on holiday because I can do all of that. And it's like, it's purpose, it's drive. And so people talk about the balance of life. And I, I prefer to talk about the blend um, of it because I, I have, and it's easy now, I'm 29. So I might change my mind in 15, 20 years. We might, I might be saying what an idiot I was then, right? But <laughs> I don't know, my, my retirement is death. I'm pretty certain of that. And so, but my retirement is now. And what, what I mean by that is my, my aim is to be semi-retired all the time. Mm. And that's not said at work. I, I work 100-hour weeks, easy, because like, what the hell is work? Well, well, I'm doing this right now. Does this work? Well, yes. Like, and no. Like, how can this, I'm I'm having a chat with somebody, but yeah, it's brand building and you're going to get your name out there and a couple of your listeners might check out, check me out and maybe they'll invest with me, who knows? But I really don't care about that outcome. It's just actually, I'm just chatting with somebody that I'm enjoying a chat with. And if it adds value to people, that's incredible as well. So you definitely want to be present, but I definitely think if you're going to change the context of what you can achieve in life, which is genuinely unlimited, then change your context on what makes you happy. Because often I think we go not happy because I'm always striving for more. Well, what if striving for more is what brings you happiness? And I don't think many people ask themselves if that's even a viable opportunity for them because they're so indoctrinated into the sheep mentality of thinking like everyone else because we've been brought up that way. Um, And I think it's okay to question more things.
1: Yeah. And and also, I think sometimes, Jamie, when we're when we're busy doing stuff, you know, career, job, family, whatever it might be, you don't often stop and think about this stuff. You know, and I work with one to one intensely with my mentee clients and very often it's actually getting clarity around that purpose piece that we spend quite a bit of time on because It's so critical and it does change. It changes at different points of your life, you know, and uh, but you're right. If you have a strong purpose, you have belief, self-belief and you take action every single day. That's what I believe is the equation for results and ultimately success, whatever that is for you. Um, And it's not all about the money. But, you you know, if you have those three in my mind, if you have those three aspects, and you're working on that every day in some shape or form. Well, then you'll make progress. And when you make progress, you actually it makes you feel good. I think it's like that, that, you know, that moving forward piece. And uh, clearly you've done that by the bucket load, which is fantastic. So so let me just come back to your money mindset then, Jamie, because I think this is a big theme for you around sort of early years spending and now investing because it is a different a different uh, approach to money. Um, talk to me about that a little bit. How that's changed? What was the catalyst? Now there was a kind of. want to come back to the professor as well in in my next question, but talk about money mindset for a second.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, spend spending money is not a bad thing. It's it's really not like if you want to go spend hundred grand tomorrow, go do it. Just just understand where that money's come from. And it kind of goes back to, you know, every, every man's dog's red, rich dad, poor out, right? Um, <laughs> and it's those different earning things. So if, if I've got a portfolio that's paying me 20 grand a month, you know, and you've got your, your covered, you know, and all that. I talk about coverage and buffers and things like that. So I always like to have six months of buffer sat there, two months trading. So essentially, yeah. eight months worth of money. But then everything outside of that, do what you want. Now, I, I, like, literally do what you want. So I, I I, follow a few, like, T. Harbecker's JAR system um, is really good. But, like, I never spend money that's not passive income now. Yeah. So the reason I like that is it means my wealth is continuously going up. Like, all mm-hmm. the time, it's, it's near impossible for me to lose wealth now, um, which is pretty amazing when you say that out loud. But I still like spending money. It's just actually, I I still like making other people happy. So I, when I spend money, I like I'm not a particularly flash person. Like you know, I've got a pair of jeans on that I don't even know where they're from. Burton, maybe I don't know. I'm wearing a can't remember this brand. All Saints. Okay, it's right. All Saints top. What is it like? Fifty quid top. So it, it, it's like I don't care about. Versace or Gucci and stuff like that, and it's not to say I wouldn't buy one. Like I've got like an Alexander McQueen shirt that's like seven hundred quid. But the reason I bought it is I looked at it and went, I like that. So I don't. I'm not really. It doesn't really make me happy that those materialistic items. But when I make other people happy, it feels great, and that that's another form of payment. Um, but I, it's also the mindset of money flow flowing through you. So I see myself, and not just me, because it's going to sound really weird, it's just me. Every person is a conduit um, of energy and money. And actually, if money can flow freely through you, you have the ability to attract and you have the ability to not repel, but give. Um, and I, and it's a big, big part of money psychology, actually. The more, the more money I've given away, I don't just mean a fiver and all that. I mean, like giving away in a in a constructive basis, the more money I've ended up attracting to myself. So the more that I've done with charity work, the more multimillionaires I've attracted that want to invest with me. Which when you think about it, it's like, well, that does make sense, I guess, because a lot of multimillionaires are, can't say the word, philanthropic. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Philanthropists. And um, so naturally, they've got money to give away. And so something I really realized growing up is um you know a lot of people are not never like money is the root of all evil but a hundred percent a mindset in my family is money changes people. Mm. um and it doesn't it accentuates it amplifies It exacerbates and it all it really does is make you more of already who you already are so when i was younger you know a teenager i had this insecurity about people liking me and i'd like to buy a pint or two just like my dad did and then you give that guy a quarter of a million quid. What's the dickhead do? Well, he <laughs> buys more drinks. But now it's in expensive Mayfair clubs and he'll get a table and, you know, stuff like that. So I was the same person, just more of it. Mm. And it's the same as now, you know, like, um, don't worry, I'm not some saint, like I do stupid shit all the time. But I like giving money away. I like helping people. And so now more money means I'll help more people. Um, and that, that's all it really is. But so now with some simple money philosophies, you know, buffer systems are really important. Jar system's really important. And I only spend from my passive income. Then it's just, it really, the money's just a measuring stick. Um, so when I was talking about purpose earlier, I always say velocity is better than speed. So something like I regularly do, is I'll always look back a year. So I've tracked my my wealth growth and everything goes like that. And In everything you do, it looks pretty flat line for ages and then it just goes and goes and yeah. goes and goes. That is important. And remembering that's why the the purpose and velocity of movement is so much more important than how fast you're going. Because you could be going fast in the wrong direction. And like an analogy of that is have you ever been in a car? where you, you're you on the motorway, you're just cruising, and you look down, you're doing 100. And you're like, whoa, Like I didn't even realize that. And of course, we don't speed, and nobody watches these, of course. But you barely felt it, right? It was nothing. So there's no excitement around it. There's no like, whoa, that was amazing. And yet, you put your foot down and go from zero to 30 miles an hour. And you're like, Phew. Mm. You feel that feeling, right? And that's the same as in business. That's the same as in life. And it's just finding that velocity metric as you're going through.
1: Mm. And I think that you make a good point about incremental gains, you know, actually, because, you know, all those little 1%, if you ever spend time with high-performing athletes who are at the top of their games, elite athletes, it's the 1%. It's the you know, split second that's gonna get you gold versus, you know, versus maybe coming fourth and not even being mentioned. But actually all those little tiny actions and incremental improvements. I always think of it as like a snowball, you know, where you're sort of being layered on, layered on, layered on. And then before, you you know, before, you know, without even realizing, actually, you've got this massive big snowball. But it started with a very small, small, you know, thing in the middle and then just gradually get gathered momentum. I think you make a really good point around that. And sometimes I think everyone's if you're impatient and you're ambitious, you want you want the wins and you want them quick. And you want to see them. So when they don't come straight away, you know, the frustration can kick in. And that's when people maybe maybe lose their mojo and stop and start and stop and start. And actually just keep going, just keep going a little bit, little bit, little bit, you know, and, uh, and it all adds up and gets you there. But let me come back to your professor that called you out, Jamie when you were being a little bit reckless and you said, you're right. a bit, bit like a, a Richard Branson story, isn't it? To a certain degree, you know, I, I, well, yeah, you'll probably beat Richard actually, Jamie, one day. And then, you'll re- yeah, then you can come back and thank me for this interview. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a similar kind of call out, wasn't it? You're either going to be massively successful or you're going to end up in jail, right? Um, so at that point, sometimes it's other people that see things in us and at that point, he was actually, you know, really probably concerned about the way you were going and he had to say something. But how important have people that you spend time with been been to you in terms of helping you make those right calls and directions that you go in?
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's everything like it is you can say this in so many ways like, like literally down to your body you are what you eat right mm. um you are what you listen to and you're the average of the people you surround yourself with i think it was it wasn't napoleon hill um it was somebody in think and grow rich and he was reflecting on something where they said you are the average of the five people that you yeah. surround yourself with and i always say to people i don't know if it's five i don't know if it's 10 i don't know if it's 15 whatever it is but it's logical right if you spend your time with knockoff nights down the pub that knows everything about nothing um, and then they share their opinion and everything and they bitch about everyone and they, they play victim to the world. Oh, they're doing this. You naturally start talking the same way. Um, I was actually saying this to, um. so I own a couple of gyms um, and I was talking to some PTs that came from a different gym and they were saying about the use of steroids, right? And things like that. And it was a really good example of what I'm discussing now. This is really recently. Now, I'm not pro or con, you know, do what you want. It's your body. Um, this is just not something I want to do. But they were like, yeah, everyone does steroids, though, don't they, in, in, the, in the changing rooms at gyms. And I was like, no, I don't, think I've they? <laughs> ever, well, I, I don't think I've ever seen that in a gym. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, everyone does it, right? And what I realized after like talking more is they think that because that became the norm. So yeah. it was just like, you know, it's it's like, it's weird, isn't it? And like, say, like smoking a bit of weed in front of somebody. If you did that in front of some people, it'd be like, that's just a bit of weed. If you did that in front of my mom, it'd be like,
1: yeah. what? Get out
0: of my house, you know? And it's sort of like, but isn't that strange how doing the same thing? Around a different person can have a completely different context of what's okay and what's not. Mm. So, in my circles that I surround myself with, not turning up is not okay. Mm. You know, delivering 80, 90, 100% of what you can give is the minimum expectation. Like my circles, they expect to be shocked by me and I expect to be shocked by them in a positive way. So, if that becomes your norm, your reality, you know, if I, like I, I shared with you've you got a Q1 target of 600,000, we're on ninety six, five hundred. I know that when I hear, because we will hit it today, and I go and share that with them, I know the response is going to be, well, if you hit it that easily and you manage to change it in that last day because of that, you are aiming too low, right? And it's like, hmm, so great, give yourself a pat on the back, but you want to ask yourself, why wasn't it 750? They're the people I want to surround yourself with. So I, I don't know if it's 5, 10. And it's not just in wealth, by the way. It's, it's in all aspects. I, I, want, I want to do more um, charity work. And I want to surround myself with good people that see value in adding value. I want that to be the norm. So I surround myself with people that see the world that way. Um, like There's so much to moan about right now. But who gives a shit? Like... Uh, like COVID, like lockdown. The conservatives are assholes. They've done this. They've done that. Twenty-five percent tax on your profit. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna make more money then. And yeah. I'm like, hey, But this, the thing is, it's that stoic philosophy. Like, right? there's there's so much that you can't control. There's so much within that you can, but it's certainly a lot more limited. So focus on what you can control. And one of the things that I can definitely control is who I allow in my life and who, and, and, and I genuinely feel that like they have to earn a place in my life and vice versa. This isn't just about me. It's I want to earn, I want to surround myself with people where I feel I need to earn my place mm. there because I want to be operating at a level that they want me in their circle. And if you hold yourself to whatever level you want, for me, it's the highest level of account that I can in all areas of my life. Then I'm going to progress a lot further. But if I didn't surround myself with the right people and I only relied on my grit and determination, I'd be nowhere near. And people go, you know, there's no I in team or there, but there is a me. It's like, shut up. There's no such thing as a self made millionaire. Yeah, there's yeah. not. Like the amount of money that I make now as an individual is because of my incredible team around. And so even when I'm talking about my team, my employees, my, my staff, it's just, actually they need to be incredible people they need to be 18 players because i want them to be a reflection of me and me a reflection of them so yeah yeah, it's, it's it's game changing surrounding yourself with the right people
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, sometimes that can mean actually having to either limit the time you spend with certain people or cut them out completely. And that can be difficult when it's family, you know, or people that are very close to you. But, you know, which is trickier? And, you know, I think we see that a lot, you know, certainly in the property world. You know, you might have might be a, a couple or, you know, where. Either the, the woman or the man or whatever, whatever the, that construct of the couple is, where one of them wants to do property and the other one's saying, Oh, why are you bothering? you know, and, and that can be quite difficult, I think, you know, when you when you have someone close to you that can be that person. But you're absolutely right. I think surrounding yourself with the right people is absolutely critical. But you make another great point, actually, and this is something that Tony Robbins talks about a lot. Uh, For anyone that doesn't know Tony Robbins, um, he's probably the most well-known personal development coach in the world, big American guy with massive teeth. (laughs) Now, whether you like his style or not, he does actually talk a lot of sense, in my opinion, and I think you probably know him as well, Jamie. One of the things that Tony Robbins talks a lot about is raising your standards. You know and, and actually what's your bar? What's your bar? Because you know, whatever you set that to be, that's what you'll get. You know, what's the, the saying, you know, seek and you shall find. And and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and obviously what you've done consistently, Jamie, is raised your raised your standards each time, just the next level. And, and that's what you were saying before around you know when you, when you were starting out on your journey, buying that one house was a big deal. It was a massive win. Whereas now having two, two deals complete on a day, because your standards are so much higher, that's as a proportion, it's less of a less of a big deal. So if you're constantly raising your standards, whatever that is for, giving back, money, whatever it is, being a better partner, mother, whatever it might be, that's always going to keep you moving forward, raising your standards. And um, I think that that's important. So Jamie, can you talk about failure a little bit? Because obviously, you know, you're a confident guy. You're out there. You've done hugely, hugely well, which is all credit to you. So massively well done. Congratulations. But as we said before, it isn't all rosy in the garden. And you talked about that, you know, that first experience in property where, where, you know, you kind of nearly gave up. But can you think of other low moments where you've just thought oh my god I've really you know this is a disaster or I've just not got it right that's really hit you hard and how you bounce back from it
0: um Do you know that, that I wish I could give you some real big ones and, and I, I'll expand around it because it's not that there's not failures like I think again it's that mindset around it like I, I shout all the time like I'd, I'd, and I get it, you know, on social media, I'm living my best life and, you know, <laughs> doing, doing everything that goes wrong. You know what? I've had real shitty partnerships. I've invested in some terrible deals. Mm. The most I've ever lost on a deal, in fact, there's only one that I've ever lost. Um, and I've got 70 pence on the pound back. Um, so I lost 30% of my investment. Mm. And unfortunately, it wasn't a huge investment. And that was huge. And actually, that's probably my biggest learning. So I'll deep dive around that in a second. But I think it's really important that the most successful people you see probably found more than you yeah. every day. And that is why they're successful. Because a huge portion of your learnings come from your losses, come from the, you, you, you know, like, and now I just chat, like the, the, these podcasts that, that I'm doing, like, I really enjoy this because actually, like, I used to have, like, all these criteria for podcasts and that. Whereas actually now my, my only criteria is, well one is the audience, actually any, anything that's going to bring value to me and vice versa, but do I like the person? And Katie's a really good judge of character. Like she knows me, my PA for those that are listening, she knows the inside out. She knows if I'm going to like someone or not. And if we don't, we don't look it in. doesn't matter if they've got millions of followers, mm. it's just like, cool. But it's same as my first, like, my first speech. You know, now I'll, I'll stand on stage and not so much now during COVID, but um, before this, I'm in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people, and I feel absolutely fine, right? nothing. And I wish I filmed my first um, talk. I'm like, oh, hi, hi, everyone. I'm, J- I'm Jamie. Raise your hand if you're interested in this. And I do that weird, awkward. Like, <laughs> yeah. Whereas now I'll get on and just be like, all right, how's it going? You know, and it's just... It's just having a chat and a laugh, but same as selling, right? Um, it, it's, it's not that I don't get objections. It's not that I don't get rejection. And it's the same as the first st- sale that I did on stage. Like I'd be drenched in sweat and there'd be one person that I thought was going to go buy something and they went to the toilet. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so awkward because I, I remember that and I called them out. That's the first person. They go, no, they're just going to the toilet. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> But there's failure <laughs> present constantly in what I do. I screw up every single time. Okay, a prime example that property that I just completed on last week, um, I didn't read the property information forms properly. Okay, and because they're just, there's so many, it's just blah, 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 blah. blah. And what I didn't realize is on the heating, yes, it's got heating, but it wasn't gas central heating. Now, what that means is obviously I don't have it, it could be for a variety of reasons, but now I've bought it realized it doesn't, which I had the information. And what I'd normally do is just chat to a couple of neighbors. Turns out everyone has got gas central heating apart from this house. And that's because when the mains came in, this is the only cheap bastard on the street that decided not to pay for it. So that's cost me an extra couple of grand, right? It's just my mindset around it now. It's sort of like, damn, let's add that to the process to make sure that never happens again. Um, and, and that's all it is. So there's, there's no... There's, there's, there's loads of highs and lows, but it, it's just my mindset around it now. that I, I just rebound more. And, you know, I, I have days where, you know, we do some pretty big deals now that are in legals and it could be I lose 80 grand, not lose 80 grand at the bank, but I was about to make it and now it's fallen out of bed for whatever reason.
1: Mm.
0: And it's just like, okay, well, that's part of the game. We, we know business is a numbers game. We know there's gonna be refunds. We know there's gonna be issues when you're building up. How do I mitigate? It? How do I stop that from happening? More importantly, can I get it back on? And then moving on, but it's, it's not about failing. Like a, I'd, I'd never strive for a business without failure. Like what a boring business. If, if everything in life weren't right for you, how boring life would be. Um, and I, I mean that as well, like life's meant to have complications. It's meant to have strife. It's meant to have struggles. And it's just how you deal with them, it's how you cope with them, but every single time something big has happened, it's always followed by one of my biggest growths, mm. every time. Every single time something has gone wrong for me, whether it was my fault or not, could be somebody else did it to me, um, it's when I've grown the most, because you suddenly pay attention to it. and. I'm not sure if it was Tony Robbins that said this, I might be butchering it a little bit, but where focus goes, energy flows, results show. So when there's a big problem, it's like you having this perfect big ass bucket that's collecting money, right? And then suddenly there's a hole in it and you see this bloody leakage pissing everywhere. And it's just like, oh my God, there is a big problem. But suddenly now you focus on it, you put energy on it, you solve it, and you get a result from that and you move on. Now, what you want to be careful of is the opposite of that, where you focus on it too much. You put too much energy into it, so much so that it consumes you. And you seem to forget about all of the light in your life around it. Um, but there's, there's always problems. There's always solutions. And, and it depends where you're, what you're looking for right now. And that, you know, to tie it off, I, I always think those things happen for you rather than to you. First of all, and that's my mindset: is when something goes wrong, there's an it's providing an opportunity to me, which is amazing. And then I always see light in any dark situation, and I kind of see it like the night sky, right? If it were pitch black right now at night, and you looked up, initially you won't see many stars, especially if you're in a town that's sort of polluted. But the longer you look at the night sky, and the more your eyes adjust to it, the more stars you end up seeing. And, they, and then suddenly you're like, whoa, it's full. Mm. So I kind of see any issue like that, any, any downfall, any horrible situation, there's always positives, always positives. And, and I've just been had this drummed in. So it, when my dad died um, and I saw the counsellor, one of the exercises she gave to me, and I thought this was sick at the time, but really understood it now. She said, I want you to write 100 positive things that come from your dad. And I was like, what? What's wrong with you, woman? She said, just do it. And I couldn't get 100. But there's a lot. There's a lot. Now, that's not saying I'm glad it happened. It's not saying I wouldn't give everything back to it. That's not the same thing. But actually, that gave me a real appreciation of how fickle life is. I'm 29 now. He was 38. So imagine I've got nine years left. What would you do if you, if you knew you only had nine years left? What would you do if you knew that, like, there is an end to this? And actually, like, life is so short, even if you live for the full breakfast. You know, what we got, 80, 90, maybe 100 years for my generation, maybe the generation below me. Mm. It's really not that long. It's really not. It doesn't feel that long ago that I was, wasn't in school. And people make the joke, because it was only yesterday. You know, it was over 10 years ago that I was in uni. That's over a third of my life, and it's gone like that. So it gave me an appreciation. It showed me what you can achieve. It showed me about looking after your body um, uh, better. It showed me about actually not buying people, but buying into people. Mm -hmm. Um, It showed me a lot of stuff about strength. It showed me how much your family can come together in a moment of need. And actually, that's important. So every sort of low point is an opportunity for a high end. There's, in trading, there's something called mean reversion. And mean reversion is when there's a real high, when it crashes, it crashes. And when there's a real low, it usually, when it does bounce back, it doesn't go like that. Usually the deeper it's dropped, the more potential it's got to come back to that average. So when you are at the lowest point of your life, the great thing is there's so much more potential for it to go up than down. And so the likelihood statistically For you to get some real wins, it's really just exposed itself to you. And it's it's all about your mindset that's going to get you to that point
1: yeah no fantastic i mean there's so much wisdom in all of this jamie there really is and to anyone listening gosh there's uh so much great advice and you know thoughts for people to maybe reframe some things in their own life and, and business and career or whatever's going on for them so that's massive massive shares so i'm going to um, end with a few questions if i may jamie jamie gonna call you jamie then <laughs> I've, g- I've given you a- <laughs> i've given you i've given you a sex change right here on the show there we go <laughs> So, Jamie, can you think of the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
0: Uh, it, a conversation around deferred gratification. Um, you know, whilst you want to enjoy and be present in the now, don't underestimate the eighth wonder of the world that is compounding. And people talk about compounding as like compound interest. If you make 10% on 10%, like if you double the penny in 33 days, you've got a million pounds and stuff like that, but don't underestimate the compound impact of your determination and grit over years rather than months. And that that was one of the best pieces of advice I got early on, is understanding that you can achieve so much with the asset of time. Mm,
1: Yeah, brilliant. That's That's a fantastic piece of advice. And can you think of the worst piece of advice you may have been given?
0: Be grateful for what you've got. I I hate that line because, not not because of what it can mean, but often what it does mean from the people that mostly say it. It's usually coming from a place of insecurity, sometimes a place of jealousy. And I don't like it often because don't settle. But screw that. You can be, and, and this is every single person listening, you can be so much more than you already are. Don't settle. Don't be happy with what you've got. Grow and be passionate and energetic about where you are, but never stop moving forward. Because honestly, it's, it's, I was reading an article about why people retire then die so soon through retirement mm-hmm. because people lose their reti- their, their touch. They, they, they lose their purpose. And you see it on Instagram photos of like 60 year old blokes with a massive stomach, gray and you know bending over and all of that and then like hunch back, and and then you've got another person that's great body and i don't mean ripped but like they're looking after themselves they're still driven so no matter what stage you're at don't be happy with where you are be content sure but drive for more purpose all day long
1: yeah yeah fantastic totally agree with all of that and then the final question well actually penultimate question so where can people find you jamie
0: um, depends what they're in, in in for, really. If you want to find out more about property, you can jump on my YouTube channel. Just type in Jamie York, and you'll find me. Um, really grateful for any any value I can give you. And if you want to subscribe, that's wicked. Um, if it's more, you want to have a bit of a chin wag, you can find me on Facebook or on Instagram, which is Jamie York Aspire A S P I R E, and I'm more than happy to have a chat with anyone that wants support or help.
1: Fabulous. Thank you. And then my final question is what does brave, bold, brilliant mean to you?
0: Being self aware of who you are and then constantly acting upon it, no matter what external factors you have thrown at you, any opinions, words from other people, and just really driving forward to what your purpose is. So having self awareness and moving towards that.
1: Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Gosh, we've covered a lot, actually, and uh, we could keep going for another hour, I reckon, easily, but (laughs) we best leave it there. But um, thank you so much, Jamie. Really appreciate you being on. You are brave, bold and brilliant, of course.
0: Thank you very much, and hopefully I've added value to you and your audience.
1: You absolutely have, 100%. Thanks, Jamie. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.